Welcome to Career Tools. This week, honoring your professional employment agreements. Here we go. Okay, Wendy, we're going to do something that puts us out of the norm of everybody talking about getting ahead and so on. We're going to suggest that uh, one's agreements, one's professional agreements, the, the agreements one makes in one's career with one's boss or company or HR or something matter. And uh, we're going to be the lone uh, tree that stands up against the wind of, I want to get ahead no matter what. You know, the, the typical examples I can think of is when a company pays for training, they pay for a move for someone, they incur some expense. Often companies require a person to stay for a certain period of time in order for the company to recoup their investment in you. If a company were to say, if, if you said, I really would like to get an MBA, and the company said, well, okay, we, we feel we'd benefit from that. It would be a good investment for us to pay for your MBA. And, and as a, just in today's world, we recognize that it would be good for us to have either a formal or informal agreement, either a handshake or something written. And they say, we'd like you to agree to stay for two years. If a person says, yes, that's great. Wow, I, you know, now I can really afford to do this and it won't be hard on my family. Then one has to honor one's agreement, and yet people seem surprised by that, as if the company wouldn't want to develop me, and why wouldn't they want to develop me? Well, they wouldn't want to develop you for one of their competitors. And by the same token, if you said, hey, I'd like to take a class in underwater basket weaving, the company would probably say, no, we're not going to pay for that because we don't benefit from it. It's essentially the same principle applied on either side of the, the agreement equation, either you or the company. If the company pays for your MBA and then you leave, they don't benefit from it. And that's why companies don't pay for underwater basket weaving because it's not a good investment. It's not a good investment for companies to pay for education or to pay for a move or anything else if they don't benefit from it. In the same way that it doesn't make any sense for you to go to take an MBA if you're not going to benefit from it to pay for it yourself. And as we, you and I have talked about this before, sometimes it's a contract and it's written. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just verbal, which people seem to think is different. So our question for today is, when you get a better offer, when you have a better opportunity, do you have to stay? Do you have to pay it back? What's our guidance? It's so easy. So a professional honors the agreements he or she makes. It's that simple. So we can just finish the cast here. But um, <laughs> if you make an agreement, then you honor it. Otherwise, you're not a professional. And if you want to be a professional, then you honor the agreement. So we've got two parts. Honor your professional employment agreements and don't make agreements that you can't keep. Right. Okay. Easy. Yeah. It's simple. In the world of professionalism, it doesn't matter whether it's an agreement you make to be on a call at a certain time, to be somewhere at a certain time, to be prepared for a meeting, to complete a course, to finish a course that you might have started, to complete a move. Moving is a funny one. People say, Hey, will you move me to LA? I really, you know, there's a lateral move. Now, normally companies don't pay for lateral moves, but they agree to because they feel like they would like to keep you and you're somebody they, they really believe in. And then you move to LA and six months later, you leave the company to go to work at another LA company. Frankly, that would be unethical. The assumption would be, whether we like to admit it or not, that you use the company to pay for a move that you were going to do anyway if they wouldn't. And then essentially didn't pay back what the company felt was a reasonable period of time to for them to recoup their loss or their cost, if nothing else. And the point of all this is tiny agreements, whether you're going to send an email by a certain time of day or big ones like staying five years after you complete an MBA, 
they're no different. They're they're different in scale, but not in kind. As you are in small things, you are in big things. Exactly. So part of the reason you and I come to this the way we did is I spent some time as a recruiter. You did as well. You were in in the employment world for a number of years. So tell me about your experience with this. Uh, You and I have talked about about these situations many, many times. Yeah. So for a while, I worked with um, accountants. That was an employment agency. And my desk was accountants. And accountants in the UK go through, I'm sure they do here as well, they go through a long training process, which is very expensive. And they also get a lot of time off to study. So not only is the company putting out money in terms of their training costs, it's also losing their productivity. So to have an accountant in training is a fairly expensive proposition. And we knew from knowing what kind of course they were doing and how long it was taking and whereabouts they were in it, exactly what they'd agreed with the company. So we would know that the course takes three years. And if they're leaving at two and a half, then we knew that they were breaking their agreement. They were, you know, the course had been paid for and they maybe only had two or three days that they would get off as study leave now and they were already looking for a new job. And so this poor company had paid out all this money for them, lost all this productivity, and they were jumping ship. The other part of our job was to know all of the companies in the area in which we worked. And so we would know the CEO and the CFO, and we would know all of the accounting team. And we would know, in general, what their agreements were. And so if a candidate came to us, and they were at their two-and-a-half-year point, and we knew that... The agreement was that they would do three years of training and then stay for another two years. We wouldn't put them with our top tier clients. Yeah. You, they would essentially be making a statement about I'm unethical or you can't trust me to do what the tacit agreement was or the implicit agreement was that I made when this company hired me. Exactly. And we knew the companies where, you know, people were miserable because they had to work, you know, 150 hour weeks or whatever, and where the companies were unethical, but most of the companies weren't. Most of the company, you know, training to be an accountant, an accountant, the first part of your career is not easy, and it's not easy in any right. company. You're paying and your dues. Exactly. Right? Earning so, your stripes, yes. So those people who said, oh, it was the company's fault they were horrible to me, were probably a little bit self selfish and self-focused and so we wouldn't put them with the clients that we really valued because we felt that those people would taint our relationship with the companies that we really valued we would find them second tier companies and they probably wouldn't recognize it they would think oh i got a pay rise i got a title bump i finished my training but they'd they'd only made me made a half a step, whereas if they'd have stayed the two years, they'd have made a, a one and a half step. Right. And that would affect their career for the rest of their career. Yep. Now, look, we made the distinction between mistakes and scale and mistakes in kind. And we don't mean to suggest, folks, that it's beneath any professional to fail. We all fail all the time. We make mistakes. We overpromise. We underdeliver. Things happen that get in the way. In the main, though, we aim to keep the agreements we make as professionals, and that is even more so in the limelight when the agreement is a large one, like one or two years, as opposed to one or two meetings 
to which you're late. Now, the agreement you enter into with your employer is sometimes a legal document. It's a contract. It says, we'll pay for two years of executive MBA, and it'll cost $125,000, and you'll, we'll allow you to leave work early. Your manager will know that that is part of your employment because we're paying for it, and so we'll give you some leeway in terms of whether or not you're posted overseas. And sometimes it's as simple as you're a high potential person, and so we're willing to pay for that. And we look you in the eye and say, typically, this comes with a three-year agreement. Are you willing to honor that? And you say, yes. Okay. Now, you might say, well, that's not the same thing as a legal document, or that's not the same thing as a one-page memorandum which says me and my boss and the HR person who has access to that budgetary money all agree that this is what it is. We get the question sometimes, is this agreement I made legally binding? And the question isn't really whether it's legally binding, okay? The issue is you made an agreement. You gave your word. You received the benefit, and the party that gave you the benefit expects you to honor the agreement, which is to say an exchange of time for money in the, in the case of, say, an executive MBA. And professionals typically are not normally going to ask, is it legally binding? Because if everything were legally binding, then you would expect a contract, an employment contract from your company. And the fact is, while legal agreements are very important in terms of the modern world's interest in the rule of law, the fact is day-to-day -day life, productivity, careers cannot be ruled only by legally binding contracts. Otherwise, uh, we would spend too much time adjudicating every single disagreement that existed within the employment world. And if you start thinking about the number of disagreements you have very quickly, you realize you'll do nothing but, to use a, a, a labor term, grieve every single thing your boss does. It becomes irrational if you make everything a legal agreement. The only reason people say, is this legally binding, is because they want to get out of it. And in most cases, you can get out of it. A lot of non-complete causes aren't yeah, legally binding. Exactly. A lot of um, NDA, non-disclosure yeah, non agreements. Non yeah. agreements are not binding. Even though you signed them, they are not legally binding. Or even if they are binding, the, the, the person that asks you to sign them knows full well that the cost of making them binding, and, and by binding it means to visit consequences on you, legal or financial economic consequences on you, are, is not worth it. Exactly. Um, and so it is, it is essentially a, an elevation of one's word into a legal clarity around consequences, which may not be visited, but reduces the chances that someone who is less than professional would violate the agreement that the company would like to say is purely um, an agreement between two professionals, between a professional organization and professional individual who works there. Yeah. And so there are there are reasons you can probably escape the agreement if you want to. 
there's bound to be some legal justification. I'm sure any lawyer can get out of anything, according to my watching of Law and Order. Um, And you can justify things to yourself. You can say, oh, yeah, they they helped me move to L.A., but then this job wasn't what they promised me. Or, yeah, my manager's not really... He, he keeps giving me too much work. So though he's giving me the afternoon off so that I can study, I can't really take it because he's giving me too much work. Yeah, or they moved me from Omaha to L.A. and they agreed to pay for it, but I didn't realize the cost of living was so high here. I can't buy a house. This is not turning out the way I think. I can make $25,000 more over here, so I'm not going to honor this agreement. I had a kid tell me once, well, the company's at fault. They should have told me that even if they paid for the move, they should have raised my salary to make me whole relative to cost of living. And I said, why would they have to do that? I mean, the job is the job. Maybe there is a slight increase, but you're asking for an increase and a move, and they won't get any more out of you in L.A. than they do in Omaha. I hate to be mercenary about it, but you're the one that asked. You didn't say, I want a raise, too. The company kept up there in the bargain. He says, well, it doesn't matter. It didn't work out for me. I said, man, if the company were to do that and to say, hey, by the way, you're not doing as well in LA as we thought. You owe us $15,000 back. Here's a notice to appear in court. You'd be livid. You'd suggest that, well, this is a big company taking advantage of me, when in fact, it's the same thing in reverse. Exactly. Yeah. And your point was, it's not whether you can. It's not whether you can legally justify it. It's not whether you can get away with it. It's not whether or not there will be consequences. What matters is the agreement. Yeah, you made the agreement. So honor it. It's a little bit like you made your bed, so lie in it. And that's probably too harsh for everybody. But if you make an agreement, then you should... Do everything you can to honor it. Yeah. And look, again, the example that you mentioned is if your manager said, you get an MBA, I'll get you a raise, and you didn't, you might be able to use that as a reason to to say, well, you guys have broken the agreement. And the manager might say, well, I didn't actually promise you a raise. And this is where clear communication matters. But that would be the company breaking their word. And you might feel comfortable saying, okay, I'm not bound by that agreement. By the same token, when you ask a company to move you, as an example, let's say it's $15,000, and then you leave, the company would say, well, you owe us the money, Mm -hmm. right? And it's the exact same situation in reverse. And what usually, what when I've had discussions like this, I'm trying to discuss ethics and the person is trying to discuss economics. And by the way, folks, when, you, when you're in an argument with somebody, it's one thing to argue about whether the investment of a given product should be 20000 or 30000 or whether the raise for somebody should be 2500 or 3500 Those are arguments that are different in scale. But again, coming back to the other one, when you argue economics and ethics, those are arguments that are different in kind. And that changes the discussion. And I've discovered that arguments that where you're arguing two different fundamental theorems not two different points on a scale in the same theorem are very hard to gain agreement on. It just is really, really hard. And generally, the person who is arguing the theory that has higher ethical value in the world typically feels like they may have been taken advantage of, but they're not going to change the way they see things. And look, 
not every arrangement you make is a deal that is about winning. There are people in the world, and we don't think many of you are listening, but there are people in the world who think every deal is a chance to win. And unfortunately, those people tend also to be those people who have no goodwill left and end up, as the, the phrase goes, at some point come a cropper to the point that they have no friends. And when things are down, there's no one there to lift them up. But leaving goodwill on the table and seeing an agreement as an ethical contract, not a legal contract, not an employment contract, but an ethical contract, uh, and doing the right thing simply because it is the right thing to do. And while one oughtn't need motivation to do the right thing, it's nice to know that it feels good to do the right thing. Those kinds of behaviors in the long run will help you put your head in your pillow at night. And they're part of what makes you a professional. It's much less a legal issue and much more a moral and ethical issue. Yeah. And it's better to be on the moral high ground. Yeah. As Patton said, always take the high ground. And of course, there is room for the unexpected. If you, if you make an agreement, if you say, I'm, I'm going to do this training, it's going to take two years. And yes, I promise to stay another two years after that. And you have a sick child or there's you know some kind of dramatic yeah. change in your family situation or your own health or something yeah. that means that that was completely unexpected when you made that agreement that means that you can't keep the agreement then yes you can break the agreement what we're saying is you can't break it just because you feel like it didn't work out the way you wanted it to yeah you can break it if if there's something dramatic if there's something that's that's a real change yeah here's what i would say the definition of dramatic is you're willing to sit down with the person that represents the other side of the bargain it could be the hr person in los angeles it could be the hr person uh the training person who agrees to pay for the executive mba and say the situation has changed not in scale but in kind my husband is sick and I need to move to a location that has specialty treatment. Now, I would argue that one thing you could do is say, I will do my best to pay you back. And I didn't realize that this would happen. Or one of my children has special needs and we have to move 75 miles to a school. Otherwise, my kid needs to be institutionalized. And I'm sorry, my agreement with my family and not whether or not your family is happy, but whether or not you can take care of your family. Uh, my agreement with my family, I'm sorry, outstrips my agreement with you, and we need to come to some agreement about what to do. I think you'll discover if you're willing to have that conversation, there are plenty of employers who are willing to wipe the slate clean oh, yeah. as a matter of grace for you. But if you're not willing to sit down and you're simply saying to yourself, I feel my situation has changed, and so therefore I'm going to break the agreement, but you're not willing to sit down and tell them what changed, then you probably haven't reached the threshold where you're telling yourself in the mirror that it has changed is justification enough for you to go back on your word. Look, if a company agrees to do this, and in the middle of your MBA, the company gets bought, and the new company has a black and white policy which says, we do not pay for additional employment. Your company could come to you and say, I'm sorry, the agreement's you know no longer valid, and you have to decide what to do. Now, some people would say, I'm going to pay for the MBA myself. They already paid for half. I want to finish it. Then the question becomes whether or not your boss will allow you the time to do it, and you'd have to look somebody in the eye and make a judgment call, 
Or you could say, I can't, you know, I just can't do it. Our budget is such that I can't do it. And so you end up saying, I wasted a year. And it's not a great thing. And these things do happen. And the company can essentially say, I'm sorry, we can't honor it because of this change. And it's a notable change. But we're not talking to the company right now. We're talking to individuals. You go into the agreement believing that you are going to keep it. Yeah. And if you if you went into it believing that you were going to keep it and circumstances are so changed that you cannot keep it, then you get off, you get let off keeping your professional, honoring your professional agreement. But you, like you said, you have to be able to sit down with somebody and say, this change means I just cannot finish this or I cannot do what I promised. And if your argument is weak, your professional reputation will be damaged. And as Wendy said about knowing her market, the world is a much smaller village than you realize. I mean, how many stories do we all have of, gee, there's somebody from my past. Wow. Yeah. And it could very easily come back to haunt you. And if it doesn't come back to haunt you with someone else pointing it out to you and privately telling someone, I'm not so sure we should do business with this person, it will come back to haunt you when you look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second part is, Obviously, don't make agreements you can't keep. If your company agrees to pay for training and that, that benefits you, or they agree to pay off a loan on a house, or, or they agree to pay closing costs on a house, but you know that you won't be around long enough for them to benefit, then you're obligated not to enter into that agreement. Yeah. The professional responsibility goes, it goes further than just keeping the agreements that you make, it goes as far as not allowing others to act in the way that you know to be other than their best interest. So you went to West Point and they paid for your education, right? And then you had to do four years and five, four years, five years. Like I could have gone to West Point and said, yeah, I'll do five years in the army. I can tell you I would have lasted a day. And so I would never have said, yes, I'll go to school. Because I would have known that I never would have stuck out those five years. Yeah, I don't think they would have let you. <laughs> no, I don't think they would have let me either. I think they'd have recognized the day I walked through the door that I wasn't that kind of material. But, you know, the, it's the, the principle of the thing, you yeah. know. I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't have even applied because I know I wouldn't have been able to do the payback. Exactly. Yep. And look, you can turn down opportunities where there is a professional obligation that you simply can't honor. Okay. It's okay. Your employer may wonder why there may be a question mark, but that's not justification for entering into it in order to hide the fact that a question mark may occur. If you don't enter into it, if you're planning on leaving a company, if you're planning on taking a sabbatical, If you have realized that I really, my family situation has changed and we really love Chicago, your parents are there, your husband's parents are there, the grandparents are there, the kid that is now six months old and they're enjoying it and you've looked at each other and say, I'm going to step off the type A track and we're going to make our life in Chicago where there may not be a top end for you. If you're a person who sells vacation rentals, I don't know, maybe Chicago is not the place, whatever, then you have to be willing to say, I can't do this. And I I don't feel this is the right thing for me to do at this time. And yeah, there could be a bit of an issue like, wow, why wouldn't he want to further his career? I thought he or she would really want to do this. 
and you may have to have tougher conversations with your boss. And I don't mean tougher, I mean more probing from your boss that you'll have to decide how to handle. But you cannot agree to something simply to avoid scrutiny about a choice you're thinking about making. Well, you can, but it's unethical. Yeah. And you can say to them, you know, thank you for the opportunity. And I just don't think this is the right thing for me to do at, the, at this time. And if they said to you, why don't you want this training? And you said, you know, up till now, I've been gung ho on my career. And now we have this six month old and I've realized that my life has completely changed. And, and I'm going to step off that track. And I'm going to be here you know, my plan is to be here for the next two years and to work as hard as I have been for you, but I'm not going to go to the next step. Nobody's going to argue with that. Nobody's going to say, well, that's the wrong thing to do. As long as you're giving your all for the time that you're with them and you're doing what you should be doing in terms of your employment, you don't have to do the, you don't have to make the move. You don't have to do the MBA. You don't but you do have to honor the other agreements you've made in that they pay you and you do work, right? Exactly. Yeah. And we could beat this up with 30 more examples, um, <laughs> but we want to keep our cast as actionable as possible and yet still touch on the ethical underpinnings of why that's important as a professional. So I'll wrap up this time. Folks, if you want to be a professional, you have to honor your agreements specifically this cast is around those employment agreements, but hopefully we've given you some pause to think about other agreements you may be entering into in the professional sphere. And then a simple way to avoid putting yourself in a difficult situation is don't make agreements you can't keep. It's part of being professional. It's that simple. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Hopefully the high-mindedness of ethics combined with some specific tactical guidance which is the hallmark of career tools. Come back next week. Mm-hmm.